Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. I'm Jahan Jones. It's your girl, Taryn Finley. And it's your boy, Shaquille Rambley, y'all. And the battle of the Golden Boys is done. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> I love what he says that. With President-elect Joe Biden and the new queen of Jamaica, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, bringing us out of Trump's crazy tornado. And I don't know about y'all, but it finally feels like I can see clearly, like I'm out of the rain, just for a second. Of course, there's still so much work to be done. However, I feel like right now, we all could use some well-deserved rest. I mean, it was the most beautiful day in New York, so the gods shined down upon us and brought us great weather. So it just seems like everyone knew that we just needed a moment to throw our wigs off, breathe just for a second. So joining us today to discuss the longest week ever that was supposed to just be election day is our friend to the show straight from Detroit, beholding down the fort in the nation's capital from our DCU Bureau, HuffPost front page editor, a low-key celebrity. Some of y'all might see him on the shade room. Every now and then, <laughs> Phil Lewis. What's up, hey, Phil? Let's go, Phil. What's up, Phil? Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm finally glad to get on here. I've been waiting. We're happy to have you on. So no, happy to have you, brother man. Phil is, is not new to this. He's true to this, okay? You know exactly. We've been working. This has been the longest week of my life. Keep it hustling, y'all. Where were you when you got the news that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were the presidential elects? Hmm, I was actually at the gym. I was at the gym with my mask on, of course. <laughs> good man, good man. And I got the news, and I was actually in a basement, in, in like the basement of the gym, in like the weight room area. And so I was over here. I had my laptop ready because I was ready to help out if we need it. But, um, I had no, I had like no signal, so I'm running through the gym with my laptop, looking crazy, trying to get outside, and I'm just like, "Hey, hey, y'all on, on Slack." I'm like, "Hey, I'm here. I can help. I can help." So that's where I was at. Taryn, where you at? I literally had my mask on, about to go out and ride my bike in Brooklyn, and I was on the phone with my homegirl, and she said they called it. I'm like, "Oh." Shit, let me go ahead. <laughs> Open up my computer, like Phil did, and make sure that this piece publishes, make sure that, you know, work is done. But yeah, it was it was something else. <laughs> what about you, Jahan? Mm, well, see, I, my uh, stories aren't nearly as adventurous. I was sitting in my New York studio, but I will tell you, I was watching uh, Steve Kornacki like everybody else. <laughs> you know, I was locked in. The goat. Shout out to him. Yeah, shout out to Steve Kornacki. I'll tell y'all, it really has been, felt like a breath of fresh air to be in this post-election period. Like, I, I'm not going to lie, I kind of have my eyes glued to the screen like everybody else just because I was really appreciating the historic moment it was. So, like, when it was actually called, I felt immersed in just the sounds of excitement. In New York City, you can hear people, like, Shouting from their windows banging and honking their horns and banging <laughs> pans and everything, you know. So I had to step outside after that and just see people dance, literally dancing in the streets when that when that happened. 
I'm jealous of you because I woke up to the news. I was, I had a lot. <laughs> you were chilling, chilling. Good, good for you. It was, but I was in New Jersey. I was at my friend's house and I wanted to be in Harlem dancing in the street. The AKAs was out doing their thing. Oh, Some people were in Times Square popping bottles. So I'm really, really upset that I didn't get to be in New York to do it like how a New Yorker does it. I if it's any consolation, I didn't step outside my house like that, to be honest. <laughs> like... Me and my homegirls, you know, we from Howard. So we celebrated in our, a very virtual Howard way. Right. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. And, of course, we're I mean, we're talking about people who are on the, the winning team in this situation. But, of course, you have to kind of discuss the loser in this situation. The president of the United States, the outgoing president of the United <laughs> States, still hasn't offered his concession speech. Embarrassing, y'all. Yeah, it's embarrassing. But luckily, we don't need it, right? Like, concession is a formality, right? So we don't really need it. Either way, January 20th, he's got to go. I don't know who, who who's going to take him. You know, I don't know who's going to take him out of there, but you got to go. There will be somebody. You've already seen some world leaders beginning to congratulate uh, President-elect Biden. Uh, you got to start first and foremost with uh, former President Barack Obama. He said, uh, I love doing my Barack impression, y'all, so bear with me. <laughs> Uh, we're fortunate uh, that Joe's got what it takes to be president uh, and already carries himself in that way. And of course, Biden got congrats from uh, Emmanuel Macron and all the homies around the world, you know. So it's been a big moment for the world, not just us. You know, for a second, I was actually really, really scared. Like, oh, my God, like, what the hell is going to happen? But I got to the point where I realized that Joe was going to win. And then I was afraid again that Donald Trump won't concede and he's going to stay his ass in the White House. And we're going to have to drag him out by his tracks. But (laughs) like you said, he has no choice but to get the hell out on the 20th. They said the White House is prepared to evict or to (laughs) carry out any any trespassers (laughs) or anything. I'm like, energy. Not only did it, is he losing just very ungraciously, but mm-hmm. also I know y'all saw that hot mess of a presser that Rui Chow. <laughs> Giuliani sat up there. They thought they were going to be at the Four Seasons Hotel. <laughs> no. Capital N-O. Instead, they were at the Four can Seasons you, Total Landscape. Can you imagine? <laughs> I actually can't. I died. I absolutely died because it's like was that an accident? Like how, you pull it with your swim trunks, you ready to go to the pool, you ready to all that. You thought, and really, the only thing near you is a adult film store and a, a, a cremation uh, joint across the street. But you, but you know, like, who, but you know who's winning? Like the the people who own that place because they're selling merchandise. Like they're getting they're getting right. in the, they're getting in the news. Like they are right. loving it. The that adult feels- store that's like located across the street from them uh, are also probably <laughs> Four Seasons Landscaping sounds like a Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad like location. It doesn't even seem real. One of the highlights after election and receiving the news that Joe Biden will be our president elect was the speech that he gave. Take a listen to it, y'all, if you haven't heard it. I mean it, especially those moments, and especially those moments when this campaign was at its lowest ebb. The African-American community stood up again for me. You've always had my back, and I'll have yours. So, as you all heard, Joe Biden told the Black community he has our back. I'm a little, I'm a little afraid.
afraid because that's a really, really big statement to make. You know what I mean? Because what exactly does that mean to you as a president? Does that mean reparations? Does that mean breaking down the prison system that is terrible to Black people? Does that mean with COVID, you go into Black and brown communities and make sure that Black people are supported and get the resources that they need to thrive? What do you all make of that statement? Whatever it means to stand behind Black people, that's not going to be defined by Joe Biden at all. You know, like the ideas of Black progressivism aren't going to be conjured in his mind. This is a person who's been in politics for quite some time. And though he does have espoused progressive policies, he is a white man who like bears that identity and those viewpoints. I think like standing behind Black people, that's going to be defined by the people he welcomes into his cabinet. And I think to that point, one of the more promising things we've seen is that he uh, has a Black woman, Dr. Marcella Nunez-Smith, who's co-leading his COVID-19 task force. And I think um, other gestures like that that signify he's willing to accept Black people into the, the fold, that's going to really exhibit his 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 support for the Black community. You know, I'm really interested and um, curious to uh, find out which promises um, that were within their platform, the Biden-Harris platform, that they actually carry out. And I know that on the 20th, they'll be announcing their COVID plan. I wonder if, like you said, Shaquille, they're going to have specificities within this plan that directly benefit the people who were most affected, which are, you know, Black and brown communities. You know, Black people were um, at the highest risk of actually dying from this virus. So I'm really curious to see what that looks like. Biden's speech, you know, it was cool. It was Biden's speech. It was what we, (laughs) you know, it was what we expected. But I think Kamala's speech really set the tone for what kind of energy she is going to be able to bring to that White House. You know, she stepped on there with her off-white suit. It felt very symbolic of feminine power. You know, the all-white is is very symbolic. And she gave a very powerful speech and big up. Women everywhere gave them the props, but she really shouted out Black women and she included a pregnant pause, which felt very intentional. Let's take a listen. And so I am thinking about her and about the generations of women, Black women, Asian, white, Latina, Native American women who throughout our nation's history have paved the way for this moment tonight. Women who fought and sacrificed so much for equality and liberty and justice for all, including the black women who are often too often overlooked, but so often prove they are the backbone of our democracy. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit just about black women. Black women, <laughs> black women, come on now. They are they're they're the ones who really uh, deserve a lot of the credit. Um, Georgia hasn't carried a Democratic presidential candidate since 1992. The last top grossing black film in 1992 was Boomerang. <laughs> was great, Boomerang. Movie, great movie, by the way. <laughs> and so, like, there, there are just all sorts of, of people that are owed some congratulations, right? So Stacey Abrams, of course, led the the headlines there, of mm-hmm. course, but there, it wasn't just her, right? And she, mm-hmm. she obviously has her organization, Fair Fight Action, but there was also the Electoral Justice Project. There was Black Voters Matter, the New Georgia Project. Right, right. All these groups that were led by Black women, 
a lot of them are led by black women that actually got black people, especially out to vote. And they show that Georgia can turn blue again. Mm -hmm. And so all eyes are still on Georgia because Mm -hmm. now we're looking at the Senate races, right? Trying to figure out who's going to control the Senate. And that's coming down to these two runoffs, right? And Mm -hmm. so that's Raphael Warnock versus Kelly Loeffler and John Ossoff versus David Perdue. And if Democrats win both seats, they can take the Senate and make Mitch McConnell really unhappy. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. you know, uh, once again, speaking of black woman, let's reflect on the significance of Kamala Harris's win. You know, and I don't know about y'all, but once Ooh. again, I I really feel like her win as VP is more important than than Biden's as president. When we like look at the historical impact of I this, agree. right? You know, yeah. she's not only the first woman elected VP, but also the first Black person, the first Asian American, the first HBCU graduate, HU, you know. Her leaning into these intersections of her identity helped solidify Mm. not only this victory, but also the fact that representation in all of these ways matters. The thing about it is when we talk about America being the greatest country in the world, we have to talk about why this country is the greatest country in the world. And that's because you have a diversity of people coming together to make this country the best that it can be. That's Black people. That's Black people all across the diaspora. That's Latinx individuals. That's Asian Americans. And I think Kamala Harris is a true embodiment of all of the best parts of America, right? We are diverse. We are mixed. We are Black. We we go to HBCUs. And I think mm-hmm. that's why so many of us connect to her, because she feels so familiar. She's Jamaican. I mean, Rob. Yes. Yeah. Did you see the Jamaican prime minister? I was like, I was just emotional, period, last week, y'all. But when he said... Um, America will have its first vice president in the person of Kamala Harris, and we are proud that she bears Jamaican heritage. I yes. teared up, you know. I teared yeah, up. I was, I was down when I went to I went to uh, Black Lives Matter Plaza, which is on 16th Street in uh, D.C., and all of the people I saw all sorts of people wearing shirts that represented you know Kamala mm-hmm. in some way. So I saw I saw HBCU uh, related shirts. I saw. Um, Greeks out there wearing their shirts. I saw yeah, um, yeah. people wearing. I, I, there was actually one woman I stopped and spoke with who was wearing a uh, Jama- like a Jamaican shirt, and it had all these sorts of like different foods. It was like cocoa mm-hmm. bread and like, <laughs> yeah. like, so all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, fish. yeah, so I mean, people were just excited about the prospect of having uh, Kamala in office, and you know that the energy was palpable. Speaking of shirts, I know y'all saw <laughs> I know y'all saw the um hood cartoonist. Oh, we were just waiting on it. We was waiting on it. <laughs> oh, they were out there. They were out there. I was, they they all now listen. There needs to be a documentary about them their hustle cuz they out there <laughs> no matter who they're nonpartisan. They out there for Trump. They out there for <laughs> for Kamala. <laughs> they're out there for whoever. They just want some money. Yeah, they they make it. Did y'all see the shirt um, where Coretta Scott King is driving um, a girl's shirt? I did see that one, yes. (laughs) Girl's shirt. She's literally driving a car with Rosa Parks in the back. Harriet Tubman is there. Um, Kamala is passenger. I'm just like, y'all can't be serious. Honestly, though, they can be serious because I always wonder, like, in heaven, are there just layers to heaven, right? (laughs) Do we got the civil rights activists kicking it? Do we got Aretha Franklin with the other vocal goddesses laying back? (laughs) (laughs) I hear you, but she is, well, like, she is here with us. 
<laughs> There's another one. I think this one that you're referring to, Shaquille, talking about like the heaven images. I know you saw the one where they were playing Spain. <laughs> yes. Kamala Harris was at the table. <laughs> Toni Morrison and Maya Angelou is overlooking them. And agree. it's supposed to be Harriet Tubman playing Spades. I think uh, Harriet Tubman is Kamala Harris's Spades partner, but it's really <laughs> Cynthia Revo. And it's it's like, not even Harriet. <laughs> what the hell? They couldn't even get the real photos. Like, what are you wrong? Like, if you're going to be imaginative, at least be accurate. <laughs> Come on now. I'm glad Kamala's gonna be welcomed into that genre of art. She's gonna be on plates. Calendars. Yeah. Books, journals, Bible, Her, Bible bookmarks. JFK, Jesus, MLK, Kamala's gonna be on there, Obama, all of them. It's a part of the culture, y'all. It's a part of the culture. We're gonna take a quick break. But when we return, we wrap up the week with the T across the timelines. And that's that. Stay with us. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. All right, y'all, it's time for the wrap. Um, and unfortunately, we start this week's wrap with some really tragic news in the hip hop community. The weekend, Chicago rapper King Bond was shot and killed in Atlanta. He was 26 year old. What started out as a verbal and physical dispute turned deadly when shots were fired outside of an Atlanta hookah lounge. Um, this happened while he was celebrating at a party in honor of his first studio album, which has since debuted at number 13 on the Billboard 200. And, and this is his highest charting debut ever. One person has been arrested in connection with his death. This is so tragic. Have y'all heard of, of the death? Yeah, I've heard of, I've heard of his death and I'm, I'm really happy that uh, his manager, uh, Track, said that Vaughn has complete control of his, uh, his masters. You know, so his he's he said his family is his family's all set. His kids are all set. He has two kids. So I'm happy, you know, obviously I'm not happy about the news, but I'm happy that his family won't have to worry about anything and, and uh, doesn't have to like scramble, you know, like a lot of artists have to have to for finances. Yeah. It's it's such a tragic loss once again, you know, for his loved ones for fans and like also for Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all, I, I didn't know this until I did a little bit of research, but um, Chicago has recently had three prominent figures in the city's drill music scene that have been killed within the last four months. Trey Savage, FBG Duck, and now King Von. Um, and like you said, Phil, it's really important that he did own his masters. Um, and also, I don't know if y'all saw, it was a video uh, circulating after news of his death where he was distributing the first 
hundred K that he made to the people like in his circle and the people who like really helped him build up and rise. And this death feels kind of similar to Pop Smoke's killing earlier this year. We have a young up and coming artist who is really helping to put their city's drill music on the map. Um, yet they were taken before their true like highest potential was realized. So our thoughts and prayers go out to his family, his fans and hip hop. For sure. Drill music is like, I think of it like a modern version of gangster rap. Like it's mm. treated by the culture very similarly. The artists are kind of like seen as pariahs in a very similar way. And I think of like gangster rap artists who are now esteemed people like, well, maybe not Ice Cube now, but you know what I mean? Like people who we've seen grow up kind of outside of that image that they had initially. And so when I see all these artists who've who are being killed, we're like being denied the opportunity to see that growth, you know? And there are a lot of people who partake in the culture of drill music who don't live in the actual culture where these people do, and they're not being subjected to those, those circumstances. RIP, RIP. I'm going to be listening to Crazy Story on repeat. I know that much. Bad, bad. Well, I'll keep it in the, the music theme. Did y'all hear that uh, Whitney Houston and Notorious B.I.G. were inducted into the Rock Hall of Fame over the weekend in an HBO ceremony? I'm so excited about that for so many reasons. I'm the black boy whose mama played Whitney Houston when she used to clean the house. And (laughs) (laughs) so all of that. And I think that people often forget about the legacy that is Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston broke down so many racial barriers before MTV were letting black women on and being great and doing their damn thing. Whitney Houston's the first black woman on the cover of Seventeen magazine. Mm. And beyond that, she's just a vocal goddess. You know, no one can ever compare to Whitney Houston. So I'm happy that she's finally getting the flowers that she deserves and being inducted. And Notorious B.I.G. as a Brooklyn boy. That's I was going to say, yeah, (laughs) rep yours. Yeah. I'll go off for Newark, but I got to go even harder for BK. You know, I mean, he's Jamaican too, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he's Jamaican yeah. also. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. come on, come on, come on. You know, and, I know right. He's just the greatest rapper of all time, in my opinion. From, and I know y'all probably, yes, I said it. Yes, y'all not going to do me like how y'all did it with Buster Rhymes. I'm ready for y'all this time. <laughs> Look, that is a better hill to die on than the one you tried to die on <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. But you know, we'll leave it. We'll leave it there because, like you know, Whitney Houston, Biggie, like both of them, overdue for for this particular uh, set of flowers that they're getting. I'm honestly, I was honestly surprised when I heard the news. I'm like, damn, they wasn't, they weren't already in there. But yeah, yeah. they late. They late. Phil, what's your favorite Biggie song? Uh, shoot, my favorite Biggie song. I'm just gonna go with the classic, just juicy, just juicy. I'm gonna just go with the classic, and then with Whitney. Uh, I mean, I know we always talk about her music, but can we get into her like her acting though? Cinderella, yeah, <laughs> that's okay. my that's my <laughs> cultural icon. Apparently, they're working on trying to get Cinderella on Disney Plus, the Brandy Cinderella. Well, I hope so. I hope so. That needs to be on there. Whitney Houston got cotillion hits for days. Cotillion hits. If you Only need- <laughs> black person with three diamond records. You feel me? I didn't Vocal know that. Rapper. Yeah, only one. She's a legend. Yeah, and uh, speaking, of, speaking of legends, you know, uh, Alice Trebek, who was just a legend in uh, black households all over. You know, he died. And he was 80 years old. And he's one of, I guess, one of my favorite Canadians. 
<laughs> one of my favorite Canadians. <laughs> Not Drake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Drake is up there, but but Alex Trebek is 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 high. He's yeah, high on that yeah. list. And so um, Alex Trebek has been hosting Jeopardy for over three decades, right? And the influence that he's had, the influence that he's had in on in people's lives, he's he made it. And someone someone saw, I saw this online, and I was just like, this is just so apt. He made it cool to be an almanac, mm. like a, a human almanac. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's true. Like it was cool to be, it was cool to be a trivia person, you know. Like he made he made Jeopardy cool. Yeah. And yeah. in 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 black households, it was a way to really reconnect with um, your grandparents or or older older people in your family. Like Jeopardy, watching that, you know, I I, I, I keep seeing the argument that you know Jeopardy should be finished after Alex Trebek, and I just don't think that he would like that. I think he would prefer. Uh, the legacy of Jeopardy to continue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. You know, some of my fondest moments um, I had with my grandmother, um, rest her soul, Amelia Ball, were sitting in her house watching Jeopardy with her. And I felt, you know, she loved Alex Trebek so much. And I I made the joke earlier this uh, this week with my friends when the news uh, dropped that if Alex Trebek had a went out before my grandma, she probably wouldn't have made it. She probably would. She probably would have died that same day because that is how much she loved Alex Trebek. And that is how much like we bonded over Jeopardy and over like he had all these little shady moments. She loved that. <laughs> like, like, and Alex Trebek really helped like raise me. And I know a lot of other black kids and, and once again was like that, that bonding tool. So like, the news of his death has really like brought up so much nostalgia for so many of us. I was going to say, I agree with Taryn. You know, when I was growing up, I could not watch shows with the adults. When they were watching TV, I had to take my butt to the other room. But Jeopardy was one of the few shows that I could watch with my family. And they actually encouraged it because they thought it was making me smarter. So he will be missed. But yes. I don't know who can replace him, if I'm being honest. Somebody right? said uh, Kenan Thompson. All right. And I don't hate that. I don't hate that either. LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton. <laughs> He's got that cultural heft. Our producer is, he is like, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, know. we can leave Le- LeVar to Reading Rainbow. Yeah. We also um, have uh, some more tragic news that came up uh, with Al Roker announcing his prostate cancer. You know, our thoughts are with him as, as he fights and embarks on this journey. Black man, Please get checked. Please do do your screenings, do your screenings, do your screenings, because these conditions, these diseases are we're disproportionately affected by them. So, like, check yourself for real. Yeah. This period is such a reminder just to cherish the the people we have in our lives as we have them. You know, we're talking about two kind of cultural icons and Alex Trebek and Al Roker and. I know this is a time where everyone's kind of contemplating their own mortality, you know, and it it really is a time I think where we can, in a more positive sense, like cherish the people who have contributed to our lives throughout all these years. I'm taking that opportunity these days uh, more than ever. I think it's necessary. Yeah, I want to switch gears to something a little bit lighter. I want to argue <laughs> a little bit. I want to shake the table a little bit. Did y'all see Kiki Palmer's tweet? Lord. Read it, oh, yeah. Read it I know y'all saw it. Child Twitter ate her ass up. She tweeted, <laughs> Imagine if your EBT card 
could only work on healthy items. And then she had a little, some little side eye emojis. She deleted the tweet. <laughs> she deleted the tweet, but not before Twitter ate her ass. Yeah, up. that was that was Akila, Akila and the EBT. <laughs> Akila and the EBT. Mm, mm, mm. That's what that's what it was. What were y'all thoughts on on her tweet? My thing about my thing is if you if you have a tweet and you are presented with new information that you did not know, you can go ahead and and acknowledge that you have you have now been presented with new information and i was wrong she double quadrupled she all she doubled all the way down and kept it going and gaslit people which is just really irritating and nobody wants to hear that from somebody that is you know wealthy right so like that's that's the thing people who are below the poverty line or like you have government assistance or whatever why are we trying to police people's money who aren't rich the great thing about 2020 it has showcased that celebrities just need to keep their mouth shut when it comes to political ideas a lot of the times when it comes to who we decide to choose as our leaders and sometimes when it comes to making statements and tweets about people who are poor what she doesn't think about is the fact that a lot of people who have ebt cards a lot of times they live in food deserts so therefore they do not even have access to healthy food resources. And then in certain school districts, they do not even have curriculums that talk about the importance of eating healthy foods. When you live in the hood a lot of the times, the only type of food developments that they place in the communities are food companies that are not the most healthiest. So what are you telling people to do? You're going to sit up there and look like an ass. You look very like, uh, Kiki Palmer, love you, girl. You're not canceled because of this, but we're no. going to go ahead and lovingly drag you because clearly you are so far removed that you have forgotten about all of these like nuances in all of these um, struggles that and come the, with just being a regular ass person. There was one good thing that came out of this. There, and there was a, there was a woman who raised $3,000 for Black uh, mothers. Um, wow. who are for them to get groceries. So that was wow. one good thing that happened on Twitter. That, that's great. Uh, yeah, so definitely. That's amazing. Yeah. Especially right now, once again, we are in a pandemic. So she deleted the tweet and then she posted on Instagram. I've been eating extremely healthy lately and I've been sad about my debit card balance because of that. That sounds like a personal issue. Yeah. It yeah. do. <laughs> and you know, and you, and you know it's a lot of these, like LeBron James, my queen Beyonce, a lot of these celebrities when they do speak or when they, they demonstrate through actions, when, like, for example, Beyonce, right? Everyone knows it's important to be fit and to be healthy. Beyonce is not going to shame anybody if they are not fit and healthy. You know what she does? She goes and partners with Peloton to make sure every single kid at certain HBCUs have a free digital membership. Get that bicycle bag, Beyonce. Yeah. That bicycle bag. And I feel bag. like that's how you flex power. You don't flex power by going on Twitter and talking about folks and how they decide to use their EBT or how they decide to use their money, what they want to eat. If you want to help somebody, give them a free Peloton membership you know. for two years. <laughs> Send me a bike too. And speaking of Beyonce, Beyonce is teaching her daughter Blue Ivy to follow in her footsteps and becoming a legend who's just always working. Mm. It was announced recently that Blue Ivy will be doing the narration for the audio book of Hair Love by Matthew A. Cherry. How do y'all feel about hey, this? Hey, I love Hair Love. It's just so appropriate because when that baby was born and up until while she was still a toddler, 
people had their grubby little fingers up in her hair trying to police how her parents did her hair, calling her nappy, calling her this, that, and the third. Mm-hmm. All those things y'all like to call black little mm-hmm. black girls and black women. And guess what? This is the ultimate flex because she has beautiful, healthy, lavish hair. She always has. And y'all mm-hmm. will not sit up there and rain on black women's or black girls' hair at all. Okay, so guess Period. what? Lou, I'll be about Period. to get check. <laughs> okay. The North remembers. <laughs> The North remembers. <laughs> and I, I mean, like, that's how you flex, right? Why y'all talk about me? I'm running to fucking secure the bank, as always. You know what Sweet, I mean? Okay. Like, and that's that, that on that. <laughs> and that's that for this week. Our show is produced and edited by Izzy. You want fame? Well, fame costs best. <laughs> Nick Offenberg, Sarah Patterson, and Becca D. Gregorio. Thanks again to our guest co-host this week for joining us on this emotional roller coaster. The Phil Lewis. Phil, tell the people where they can find you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Phil Lewis, Phil underscore Lewis on Twitter. And I do have a newsletter per my last email. You check it out on Twitter. It's right there in my pinned tweet. All right, all right. I'm Jahan Jones. You can follow me at underscore Jahan on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm Shakira Rombley. You can follow me at R to the O to the M to the B-L-A-Y. I'm Taryn Finley. You can find me at underscore tearing it up. We'll be back next week. Until then, keep it juicy. Juicy fruit. Tell her, give us Biggie Juicy. I'm going to let you do that. Since you want to interrupt my song, you go ahead. Go ahead. Give us Biggie. Go ahead. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.